the Gospel according to St. Luke. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. And woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For those of you that are note takers, I'd like uh, to give you uh, some of my thoughts and what I saw at first glance in regards to the um, lectionary readings that were appointed for today. So if you want to take in your bulletin for Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8, I, the key to that and the theme in that is blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. And for Psalm 1, the key in that is blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. And for 1 Corinthians, the most striking point and theme in that is this. If, if Christ had not been raised, our faith is in vain. And we're going to spend some time in Luke. There's a lot of woe unto you, which causes me to go, Whoa! 
This is supposed to be a gospel. It sounds like an awful lot of law. It's not some real happy news. Whoa! I can't take this. What does he mean? Well, I'm going to take a swing at it, and you let me know if you think I hit it or not. First of all, Luke isn't demonizing wealth, nor is he lifting up poverty. Okay? And those of us in this room in North, from North America, born and raised and just so privileged to live in this country in, in, in a middle-class state would have a hard time imagining being part of the yay unto you, blessed are you, hungry, poor, and all these things. We have an awful lot here. So the question that I had is, well, who are you speaking to, Luke? Abba Father, who are you talking to here? How, what do I, how do I unpack this? And we'll get there. The other part of this in Luke is that we see a, um, he's speaking to people and he's speaking to you and I that, um, and he's, he's warning us as to where we put our trust, as does uh, Jeremiah at the very beginning. It would seem that what he's trying to tell us is that um, faith in yourself equals death and eternity. It seems to me that he's saying that if you trust in God and you walk in obedience with love for God, that you will be blessed. There's a warning is a theme through here is to avoid false prophets and teaching. Paul did that in the letter that he has to the Corinthians. In in his letter to the Corinthians, the first one, it's been described as he's pouring sharp wine into open wounds. Sharp wine into open wounds. What were those open wounds? Well, the Corinthians, you remember, were taking, um, they were taking advantage of the Lord's Supper. I've likened it in the past to having like a tailgate party, right, after church. And if they're not inviting the entire church to their tailgate party, and they're not sharing their wealth and their food, and they're, they're getting drunk, and they're, but they're saying, hey, in the name of the Lord, he's blessing this, you know, and they were they had it wrong they were they were really worshiping themselves they were taking it out of the context by which it was meant as we know it's his true body and his true blood and i wonder if in a contemporary setting like we're in right now in orange county not unlike the corinthians there was a mix of people from all over there were a mix of belief systems there. And Paul walks through and says, ah, you're religious people. You know, he, he, they had a smorgasbord of things to p- choose from. And then you had Christians walking past all of this. 
You had Christians walking past the drunkards and the prostitutes and all that, going to go find some food for themselves, and then they were abusing it. And Paul said, this ought not be. There were false teachers at the time that were deriding Paul. They were, and anyone that, that believed him, they were the quote-unquote super apostles. They were Judaizers. They were Jews that were Christians that were saying, yes, Christ, but you need to be circumcised. It's, it's, it's what we call a theory of, 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 a, of a salvation of glory, a, a theologian of glory. Rather than in this church, in this Lutheran community that we find ourselves, where we preach and proclaim Christ and him crucified, period, they were preaching Christ and him crucified plus circumcision, plus the way that you walked, the plus anything, you know, all of these outside influences that had nothing to do with it. Christ on the glory side plus wealth. I mean, if you're poor, then you must not be a very good follower of Christ. You know, I mean, it just, it just got so convoluted, and their eye got taken off of the ball, off of Christ, off of the point, the main point, God. And Paul's pouring, like, straight rubbing alcohol into those wounds, and those that respond are the ones that actually had faith in the Spirit with them and it's no different than it is today we have a lot of things to choose to do on a sunday morning and not many people <coughs> excuse me choose to come and worship come and hear the word and we know that the word that faith comes from hearing the word we, we see people that are maybe a target, and you'll have to decide whether or not you are a part of that target or not, on the list of woes. You know, there's, there's people that have faith in their, wor- in their wealth. Guilty, right here in front of you. I've had a conniption several times in the last 20 years when we've seen Curves on wealth, house, housing prices, the stock market, and so forth. Enough for me to say, wow, Ken Whitney, where is your faith? Well, it's in God, but it's nice to have that 401k looking good. I don't know that that's the damning thing, but the damning thing would be this, is that you know, that's nice for you to go to church and, and you'd have that little thing. But you know what? I am my own God and I make my own way. And there will always be a place for top producers. And that's where I am comfortable right now. Well, here's what uh, Luke is saying. If that's what you have, then enjoy it now. Because when you die and none of us are getting out alive, you won't have that wealth with you. So woe unto you, and woe that you might be woke up if that's where you're at. None of you are, but we're in the middle of a state and a country where a lot of people are. Well to the well-fed now. Again, (laughs) these are all things that are dividing people, but Luke is pointing out dividing them 
from a relationship with God. These are things that are getting into the way. Woe to you when people speak well of you. For this is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Well, the the false prophets, they, they prophesied falsely, preached falsely. Why? Because of the fear of men. I don't want them mad at me. And pastors can do the same thing. This one's, I think, for me. Maybe I don't want to take a firm stand on those things that might make you mad at me. This says, woe to you. If you don't tell people properly about the law and the consequences of sin and the consequences of following a false God, whatever that may be. Woe to you, pastor, if you don't remind people week after week, day after day, that their salvation is found in Christ and no other thing. Christ and him crucified, period. Woe to you if you preach another gospel, as Paul said, than what he preached. May you be a curse. Paul says, don't let an angel preach a different gospel. Don't let another prophet or a pastor preach another gospel. Don't you dare preach another gospel. Because if you do, you are a curse. You're going to hell. Period. I knew that. Before I accepted the call of the Lord, he and I talked a lot about that. Daddy, you know me. (laughs) Wow. That's a lot of pressure. We know the nature of our God, though. We know that our nature is sin. And we know his nature is love. We know that he had a plan right after that fall, of which we all are subject to. And that plan was to send his son. And that plan was perfectly executed in the birth of a baby. His name is Jesus. Emmanuel. And he gives us things that we can trust on. He gives us things that this pastor needs to point to each time. The center of our faith is Christ. Where do we find Christ? Well, here he goes, back to the baptismal font. But guys, we die to death like his. And we have been resurrected in a resurrection like his. Surely this is true. And Paul goes on to write and tells us this, that in that death, when we went into the water, the the sin of us went away and stayed in Christ. And so when we are resurrected, and this was a question um, that I had this week, what will happen? What will our bodies be like? I mean, if we are cremated, I mean, is he going to be able to put all these parts together? If parts are missing, is he going to? And the answer is, yeah, he, he can put us back together. Well, how does he do that? And I am confident and secure in telling you this. This is how. I don't know. But he's God. 
and he will because he promised us. But in that resurrection, he's going to take a perishable body that is left behind and he's going to resurrect it. But it's going to be a perfect body because he's not going to resurrect the sin that was washed off in that baptism. A perfect body. Boy, I can't wait to see mine. How about you? Hmm? I can't wait to see Graham's. Or any of the other people that we know and love. They're perfect bodies that are coming up. That is the promise. Anyone check their 401k this morning? I mean, if you did, it's not a sin. But you're not going to get to take it with you. Oh, but this body of yours is going to be resurrected. It's going to be perfect, and you get to take it with you. So, wow. There's a good use of whoa. Whoa. You mean all of that happened in that water? Yep. Why? Well, the water can stick to the body, right? But when it's combined with the word and the Holy Spirit, it sticks to the soul. How does he do that? I don't know. But he says he does. And he says it's important. And because of this, we have salvation. We have everlasting life. Because of that, we're not woe unto you. We are woe. Another thing he gives us, the center of Christianity of our, of our faith, is this beautiful sacrament of the altar, his body, his blood, given for us, in substitute for us. This was the ransom. This was the payment due that you and I couldn't, couldn't make, and he did it for us. Whoa. And so we get to participate in it in, in a way such that it is a foretaste of the feast to come where we will be holding hands in heaven in our beautiful new bodies and we'll be communing and worshiping him. Won't be real worried about our bank accounts, will we? We won't be worried about, oh man, I wish I hadn't spent so much time in church. We won't be thinking about, man, I should have waited until the last minute to become a believer in Christ. No, those are not the things we will do. That is where the delight comes from in the very beginning when we hear, blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is everything and he gives you everything. Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. Why? Because if we are delighting in his, in his will, delighting in being obedient with him, we are walking with him and we are assured by what his son did on that cross that we will have that salvation. Not because we're so obedient, but my goodness. <laughs> Obedience is not a bad thing, right? We like it from our children. We like it from our dogs. Obedience is a good thing. It produces good things. It makes things go smoother. This isn't a downer. We don't serve a God that is against us and waiting for us to, 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 to blow it. We have a God that says, look, guys, I paid the price. Enjoy the meal. Walk with me. 
Don't run after other gods and other things that will perish, and it'll all be okay. To conclude, we can do this. That those who trust in the Lord receive blessings. Amen? That his resurrection is our sure promise that our faith is not in vain. His resurrection is our sure promise that our faith is not in vain, as Paul says. Because if he didn't resurrect, we aren't going to resurrect, and the whole thing is just a waste of time, and, and we know that he did. You can take this to the bank. used to be, don't leave home without it, was a American Express card. What's in your wallet was, I don't know, a Visa or a MasterCard or something like that. Your faith, your knowledge of Christ and him crucified, don't leave home without it. In the name of Jesus, amen.